Welcome to AdultBibleStories.com, my vicarious God and his vicarious people. My name is Jeff and I have a story to tell. We're doing a hop, skip, and jump throughout the Bible, so if you've never got into the Bible, never read through it, it's a good time because we're not going through every word, every scripture, but we're doing a hop, skip, and jump so you can have a basic understanding of what each book of the Bible talks about, and you can find out where scripture references are. If you ever heard certain uh, certain phrases in, you know, in scripture, like greater is he that is in me in this world, that God causes us to triumph in all matters. Uh, you know, uh, the joy of the Lord is our strength. We're going to find those things. We're going to highlight those things. So you can know where those, where those scriptures are so you can uh, dig in yourself. Hopefully you'll have a hunger and thirst for the word of God as you get done with these videos. And, and so we're going to start in Colossians today. It starts out in Colossians says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. You know, it's always by the will of God. If it's not by the will of God, then we don't want it in our life. If it is the will of God, then we do want it in our life. And Paul is saying he's an apostle, not by man, not by himself, but by the will of God. Let's do a hop, skip, and jump here. Uh, start, uh, going to verse 9, uh, Colossians 1, 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. And asking God to fill you with the knowledge of His will. So here's a prayer that you ought to pray often, not only for yourself, but the people around you. And it's and it's such a compacted prayer. Many, uh, most of the time, you know, there's just bits and pieces that I pray over people because it just there's just so much there. So let's excuse me. Let's go again. And asking God to fill you with the knowledge of His will. So that's one thing I pray over people all the time. It says, God asks you to feel so-and-so that they may know, have the knowledge of your will, may know not only your long-term will of their life, but their will, uh, but your will for their for their life today. Through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So not they only know their your God's will, but they have a spiritual wisdom and understanding of God's will so they can complete and finish God's will for that day, for that, you know, for their life. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. I pray that all the time that so-and-so, Lord, ask him, I, Lord, I ask you to help so-and-so live their life worthy of you. Because it is important that we live a life worthy of the Lord. You know, the Lord found us worthy enough to die for us. So, so at least we can, you know, find what the Lord did for us worthy for us to live for him. And live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. Please Him in every way. Some people only try to please God on Sunday or they think they're doing pleasing God but giving an offerings. Or pleasing God because they pray, you know, or bow their head before, you know, and saying grace. But we want to please God in all ways. And, you know, we always need to be looking, Lord. In fact, you know, the Lord is with us and never leave us nor forsake us. And, and, we, and we always say that. You know, when we usually say that when we're in times of trouble, but we need to say that all the time so we know that the Lord is always with us in every situation so we can have a, a continued fellowship and communication with Him that we know that we're pleasing or not, you know, at any given time. In every way, bearing fruit in every good work. We need to bear fruit in every good work. In uh, uh, freescripturebooks.org, I'm going to be teaching uh, pretty soon, uh, later this year, on the, on the fruit of the Spirit because, you know, fruits and works are two different things. You know, in fact, fruit is the substance of our work. Whatever we're giving ourselves to, to work, um, there's either good fruit coming out of it or or it, it's workers of iniquity, as, as Jesus said. You know, get, uh, you know, he says you should know them by their fruits. And then he says, you know, you work as iniquity, you know, depart from me. I, I know you're not. So bearing fruit in every good work, we want to make sure that whatever we're doing uh, for the Lord, that there is the fruit of the Spirit coming out of that. 
because God has not just saved us. God saved us to do good works, but the good works should produce fruit, which is what he ultimately wants is fruit and not just us working. He didn't save us for us uh, slave labor. You know, he saved us because he wants fellowship with us and fellowship comes from fruit, not from works. And bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. We should be growing in the knowledge of God. That's another thing I prayed. Lord, I ask you to help so and so and so that they may grow in the knowledge of you. Are I mean, you grow. We should be growing in the knowledge of you know one another. I mean, uh, marriages that that continue to to flourish, you know, and even though that, that they can be difficult, is because they grow in the knowledge of one another. They they grow in the aspect of knowing that this you know their their mate uh, is is more more to him than than they knew when they first married him but when you when you stop growing in the knowledge of one another when you when you think you know somebody then your marriage starts going the other direction and and how much more so with god or i mean <laughs> how could we possibly get to the end of knowing god how we know everything about god you know i i, I know him i i can finish god's sentences no i don't think we can maybe there are times we can in certain areas where we we know what god's going to do because we have searched him out we have sought him we know him in that area but there's so much more of god that we don't have his understanding isn't there anything in your life that you don't know where god stands on something well then you can grow in the knowledge of god help and strengthen with all power according to his glorious might so that you can uh, uh, strengthen of all power according to his glorious might that's something that's knowledge we lack it's not according to our might or our power or our effort we've got to put forth an effort but it's got to be by god's strength and god's power to push us through so that you may have endurance and patience and uh, and do it joyfully Many times I know a lot of Christians that have endurance and patience. I mean, they keep on going like the energized bunny, but they don't do it joyfully. They're always, you know, <laughs> well, there's you know, some complaining or, or, or something like that. Give a thanks to the Father who has qualified you. We don't qualify ourselves. God qualifies us. And God qualifies us because whatever we're doing, we'll put our faith and trust in Him that He may do it through us. You know, and we're not trying to do something for God. We're not trying to change ourselves or fix ourselves, but we receive God's correction and we trust in him that he is well able as he is the potter and we are the clay to mold us and shape us no matter through what circumstance or what situation that the end will be good. So we trust in him and that's how he qualifies us to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light where he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. The dominion of darkness. Dominion comes from be, means coming from being dominated by darkness. Have you been dominated by darkness in any part of your life? Are you being dominated by darkness in any part of your life now? So he has, has delivered us, rescued us from the dominion or being dominated by darkness. Being enclosed by darkness, enveloped by darkness, being stuck in a closet by darkness. You know, sin in a closet will cause you to stay in that closet because you don't want anybody to know, including God, even though God sees all things. And Scripture says that even darkness is light to God. But even if we're, you know, uh, confessing our sin to God, sometimes we need to you know, confess our sins to one another. In fact, Scripture says, confess your, your faults or your, or your shortcomings or your sins to one another. So, so that you can be healed so it's not a matter you know, it's a matter of being healed there's sometimes in our soul that we need to let something go so that somebody can pray for us so we can be healed we're already forgiven because we confessed our sin to god we're not confessing our sin to, you know to one another to be forgiven but we're confessing our sins so that so that you know they can pray for us and, and our and our hearts be healed let's hop skip and jump to verse 15 it says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. So if you ever want to know where it's, 
God or Jesus is called the firstborn. How, in fact, some people say that Jesus was the uh, was the first um, was reborn or was the first born again. And I, I'm I'm along that line. I believe that Jesus was born again. I believe he paid with his spirit, soul, and body upon that cross and 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 you know and and, and hell. Some people say it's, it's all about the cross, and certainly that's you know that's where it started and so forth but when jesus said it is finished you know when it was finished on that cross it means he finished all that he could do the rest of it was in god's hands and uh as i believe that jesus did go to hell and and so forth and then and god you know raised him up out of all that kind of stuff you know uh, jesus went to the lowest part of the earth and 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 so he could be, come to the highest part of the earth which is our uh, you know lord of lord and king of kings uh but uh he went to the lowest and came to the highest, and he is the firstborn. And you know, we secondborn, thirdborn, you know, millionthborn, billionthborn. We don't. I don't know where I am. Don't know where you are. But we want to be born again, because Jesus said, "Unless you're born again, you cannot even see the kingdom of God." You must be born with water and fire to enter into the kingdom of God. Many people don't believe the kingdom of God is here. They're not talking about kingdom now stuff, because kingdom is here now, but we don't have all the all the value of the kingdom because the kingdom is is you can't say it's here or there but it's inside but one day the kingdom of god will be seen by the naked eye but the kingdom of god is here now spiritually we can see those things that that are unseen in this world and if you can't see it maybe you know either you've been taught the wrong doctrine the wrong teaching or maybe you're not born again because unless you're born again you cannot see the kingdom of god so let's go on uh, hop skip and jump to verse uh, there's a phrase at the end of verse 20, it says, By making peace through his blood. There's only one way that true peace of God comes, through, uh, comes and it's through the blood of Jesus. We're always trying to make peace. And it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God, not peacekeepers. We're not trying to keep the peace because you cannot keep the peace with somebody who's, who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. We're supposed to be peacemakers, which means sometimes peacemakers means you have to have war. You mean, means you have to stand and have done all stand. It means you, you have to confront. And by making peace through his blood, there's only one way to really truly have peace. And we as, as Christians, you know, who, who received uh, forgiveness of sins through the blood of Jesus should have easily have a greater peace. But many times we're bickering and fighting between one another over doctrines and over, you know, philosophies of how to do church and, and all this kind of stuff when we should not. We should have the peace by making peace through his blood. We should remind us that we're both saved through Christ, that we both got it wrong, that we're both falling short of the glory of God so we can have peace. And so if we're trying to make peace with the world, well, it's going to be you know, it's going to be kind of difficult. We're still we're still supposed to be peacemakers, but we need to tell people about the cross and teach teach people about the blood of Jesus so that they too can have peace. Because because the the world is never going to have peace, you know, with with God. It says the world is an enemy of God. God did so love the world that He gave His only begotten Son, but it's still an enemy of God because the world is cho you know is chosen to be so. And so there cannot be any true lasting peace in this world without without all of us being born again and without all of us seeing our eyes on Jesus and so forth. So let's hop, skip, and jump. Uh, we're staying in uh, Colossians, 1 Colossians, and we're going to hop, skip, and jump to the end of verse 27, another phrase. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's something we got to understand. You know, we're always praying, we, you know, we're looking up, and we're supposed to look up. Our redemption draws nigh. But we need to know that Christ has come to live within us. When we're born again, we get a new, brand new spirit. Our old spirit 
which was separated from God is cast out and we get a brand new spirit and God comes to live with that brand new spirit in our in our heart and so in a chamber of our heart so we can know that the hope of glory is in us you know we're not trying to reach or grasp a God that's who who is on the outside but God who's come to live within us to help us from the inside out don't you it's much easier to have help from the inside than it is trying to help somebody trying to help you from the outside I mean that's what it is Christ in you the hope of glory why do we have hope because Christ Jesus and the power of God the power of the resurrection power of Jesus is in us and so we can look to God we can pray to God and he'll help us from the inside out Jesus says, if you clean the inside of the cup, then the outside of the cup will be clean. And that's why the Lord came to live what's inside us, to clean us, to clean up our soul, our mind, our will, and emotions from the inside, so then, then our outside will follow suit. Verse 28, we proclaim him, admonishing, teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. Once again, we have a preacher here just trying to, you know, that's think, that believes it's his goal to present everybody perfect in Christ. You know, we have a lot of preaching nowadays and teaching and just kind of giving, well, you're not following God's best. You're not receiving God's best. There's, you know, those, those ministers are certainly not trying to present you as a, as a virgin bride to Jesus Christ. They're certainly not trying to perfect you in Christ Jesus. They're just kind of doing their, you know, what they think is their job. But we got somebody here, Paul, saying he's, that he's laboring, you know, to, to present somebody, um, to present his church, present those he's, he's, he's leading. Uh, to be perfect in Christ. Perfect doesn't mean perfect action, but it means perfect in 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 uh, you know in thought. Perfect in motive. You know you can have a perfect motive. I want to help somebody, but completely do it wrong and completely make a mess of it. But if you're but if you're <clears throat> excuse me. But if your motive is your if your heart is right, then God considers you right. And there may be consequences of doing it wrong but but your heart is right and that's what we want we might we want to make sure our heart is not only right with god but for one another even if our actions you know are misguided misdirected and so forth so being made perfect in christ doesn't mean that everything on the outside is going to be made perfect doesn't mean we're walking perfect specimens doesn't mean we're walking in the perfection of jesus christ as far as doing everything that he did perfectly but it means that we have the heart of god to live a perfect life it means we have a heart of god to put people first to put one another first to love people first and rather than our own lives to lose our own life so we find our life so we may you know live the life of god has for us and it goes on to this end, I labor, struggling with all his energy, and so powerfully works in me. So once again, he's saying he's laboring to uh, make sure that his preaching and teaching perfects people's hearts in Christ Jesus so they may be found without blemish before Jesus. Chapter 2, I want to know, know how much I am struggling for you and for those at Laodicea. So once again, Paul is talking about the things he struggles. We know we live in the faith movement where a lot of people don't want to tell anybody, I uh, know what they're trying, what they're overcoming, the struggles in their life, the trials, the tribulations. It almost looks like some people don't have any trials and tribulations because they're walking in such great faith that trials and tribulations can't even get there, which is not true. Now there is a now there is a place where you where you grow in the Lord and you have faith, and trials and tribulations are not much more than a you know a, a you know a, a, a nuisance to you. You know where before we take you down but now it's just a nuisance so there is that and so you can know that with god there was a lot of stuff that would have taken down yesterday today would have been just shrug it off like it's nothing and so there is that aspect of it but paul is not telling people complaining about the trials and tribulations he did that once with god talking about the thorn in the side 
But God said his grace is sufficient. Then Paul says, oh, okay, then if, you're, if I'm weak and you're made strong, then I'm going to go with that because I like that. But he says, I want you to know how much I am struggling. So it's a matter of information. It's a matter of knowledge and not a matter of complaining or, or superiority or, or anything like that. I want you to know how much I am struggling for, for you and, how, and for those at Laodicea. And why, is, why am I highlighting this Laodicea? Because you find in Revelation that this church had some problems. And in fact, uh, Jesus rebukes this church in Revelations, and, and that church is probably 30 years after, after Paul's talking about it. And here's John, the apostle of love, that, and that rebukes the church of Laodicea because it was a church that was uh, uh, lukewarm. It was a church that was neither hot nor cold, cold for the Lord. And so Paul right here is struggling. So, that, so there is a long-term struggle. And there may be some people in your church or some people in your family, you know, that you have to struggle with because they're always, you know, always lukewarm. They're neither hot for the Lord nor cold for the Lord. And cold for the Lord doesn't mean a distance from him. You know, that's the way we taught or the way we thought that you want to be hot for God. You want to, you want to be on fire, as, as, as the charismatic saying goes. Or, and you don't want to be cold, but that's not really the understanding of Scripture, hot or cold means hot hot water is useful right you want to take a hot bath a hot shower you want to use hot water to to wash your clothes some clothes anyway you want to use hot water for dishwashing and so forth but cold you want to drink cold water and you know and you want cold water for certain things but lukewarm or room temperature water is it's not really useful so when jesus says you know i rather have you hot and cold i rather have you useful one way or another and not just lukewarm where you just get thrown out and so here's Paul even talking way back then. I want you to know how much I'm struggling. He's struggling with that church. He's struggling to get that church either, you know, hot and cold and, and so forth rather than just being lukewarm. So let's hop, skip, and jump to verse 6. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. Continue to live him. It's just amazing. I guess Paul had the same problem back then as he did nowadays. People wanted fire insurance. They wanted to get saved, but they didn't want to live for him or by him or with him. They just wanted the document, the plaque, something to say, you know, that's on their wall that says, yeah, I know Jesus because I met him one day. I shook his hand. You know, I, I you know, got the t-shirt, been through it. But he says, so then just as received Christ Jesus, Lord, continue to live him, to live in him. There's also other people that receive Jesus by faith or saved by grace through faith and not of yourself, but they turn away from that simple simplicity of believing as a child and they begin begin a religious, trying to you know religious obligation and, and they're trying to live uh, uh, to, uh, to God according to laws and regulations and, and and doctrines of man and doctrines of demons and all this kind of stuff rather than the simplicity of faith as a child. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, Christ Jesus as Lord. <laughs> continue to live in him now just then as you receive christ jesus as lord i want to highlight christ jesus lord there's i hear people all the time saying i received jesus as savior but i am not but but he's not my lord yet well then you're not born again you either you have the wrong doctrine you've been taught wrong or you're, you're really not born again you really don't know god because jesus is either your lord or he's not if he's not your lord you can't be saved you remember it says in romans 10 9 i think 10 8 10 9 10 10 10 11 something like that it says if you you know if you believe in your heart that jesus is a lord or no, if you believe in your heart that jesus raised from dead and, and confess from your mouth that jesus lord you shall be saved you know john 3 16 for god so loved the world you know that who believe him uh, shall not perish but have you know everlasting life but that's the belief but how do you carry out that belief you find that in romans 
you know, Romans 10, 10, uh, I, be I believe it is. It says, you believe in your heart that was raised from the dead and confess that Jesus is Lord. So if you're not confessing Jesus is Lord, then what are you confessing? Is your Savior? But right here it says, just then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. Continue to live in him. We got to live in him. We need to continue. We just can't make a faith declaration, put it on a shelf, then, then you know, then, you know, think we're okay, think we're you know, leaving. I know, you know, a lot of people want to think that. A lot of people think we just, just get people into heaven, but we're not supposed to be focused on that. We're supposed to be making disciples of people. We're supposed to uh, make that cause people to want to be perfect perfect before the Lord and to, and to really get saved. So Jesus is Lord. That doesn't mean Jesus is Lord is going to, because some people would say, well, you're trying to hold lordship over people. Well, yeah, yeah, he's got to be Lord at to the degree that you know him as Lord. You know, a, a three-year-old is not going to be held accountable as an eight-year-old or a 16-year-old. You know, but you know, but their parents still their parent no matter what age they are. But they have to be responsible for what they know at that age. And if you're just born again, you got to at least be responsible for what the Lord tells you at that age, what you know to do in your heart to do, rather than walk away or trying to live a life in the world and one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world. So you should not not say, "says Well, he is my savior, but he's not quite my Lord," because oh man, you're saying all kinds of things. And hopefully it's just a matter of misunderstanding and doctrine and not a way of you really living. Because if you're really upset that you don't want Jesus as your Lord because you, you don't want him in your business, you don't want him meddling, you like his preaching, but you don't like his meddling, well, then you, then you could be in trouble. So, so then, just to receive Christ Jesus, Lord, continue to live Him, rooted and built up in Him. So you want to be rooted, and that doesn't, you know, that doesn't happen overnight. If you ever planted a garden, planted flowers, it takes a while to root and built up in Him. So once you're rooted, you can start coming above ground and be built up, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing of thankfulness. So if you really know, if you know how much you know God, is how much are you overflowing of thankfulness, or is it something that you gotta? Uh, um, that you've got to work up, that you've got to start, you know, and, and so forth. Like a, um, a pump, sometimes you've got to uh, prime a pump. Do you have to prime yourself to be thankful or, can, or are you overflown with thankfulness? Certainly there may be times where there is a sacrifice of praise when you're just not feeling it and you need to prime yourself by putting words of thankfulness in your heart by faith, in your mouth by faith. But most of the time we should be overflowing with thankfulness. It shouldn't have to be primed. It should just be coming out. We should be waking up, thanking God for a new day because he has given us life and not death he's, you know, and so forth. He's not rewarding us according to our own iniquity, but according to, you know, but he's saved us according to his grace. So let's hop, skip, and jump down to verse 12 and says, Have been buried with him in baptism, raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. So if you're wondering where it was, water baptism, this is just a, one, one of the references in, in the New Testament talking about what happens when you're being baptized in water, fully submersed. You know, a lot of people do this, you know, go full, full under. You've been buried with him in baptism and raised with him. So if we've been buried in baptism with the Lord Jesus, which is under, under water, then we'll also be raised uh, through him for faith and power. So let's hop, skip, and jump to verse 14 of chapter 2 of Colossians. He, forget, he forgave all our sins, having canceled the written code which in its regulations and against us, and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailed it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities. Hallelujah. That's, that's some good stuff. So let's break this down. He forgave us of our sins. Now, God is a just God. He can't just forgive sins just because he wants to. Just like a judge can't let somebody go because he wants to while sending someone else to prison. 
you know God you know God doesn't have unjust weights he has God's not favor he doesn't I know show favoritism or nepotism and and neither should a judge in our courts but he forgives of our sins why having canceled the written code which means he marked out all the laws no you're not under that law cancel that law but he took that with his regulations and against us and that stood opposed to us because the law stands opposed to us Moses stands opposed to us the law stands opposed to us even if you kept nine of the rules of the law there's one law that that's going to get you you know if you go to traffic court you know for you know for going through the uh, uh, red light and you tell the judge but I was going to speed limit that doesn't matter you you went through a red light you're gonna get a ticket if that judge is is just is right so it opposes us the law the, the law opposes us God does not oppose us but the law opposes us but the but God has the law and the law is even over the word of God the law is over even over his head so he had to do something with the law he took it away nailing it to the cross and God took away the uh, took away the law and nailed it to the cross so that He may forgive us because the law was still in effect and He couldn't He couldn't simply forgive us He could forgive us but then the law would still have to be carried out and the wages of sin is always death so so how good is forgiveness if you're still going to be die and you're still going to die and be separated from God for eternity so the law had to be dealt with just as our sin had to be dealt with. And both of them were dealt with with Jesus on the cross. So Jesus took it, you know, became our sin, so we become the righteous of God. At the same time, the law was nailed to the cross. And so both the law and sin went down because the power of sin is the law. And that's, and that, that's what we'll find out in, you know, in the book of uh, Romans or Hebrews. But either way, we'll get to that too. And so nailed it and heaven disarmed the powers and authority so so jesus disarmed the powers and authority so satan has no authority over us and he also has no power over us but because we we lack understanding because we're not in the word of god day and night not meditating on day and night because we do not walk in faithful with the god we don't understand that we think satan still has authority and power we're still you know re, you know failing failing to darkness we're still but satan you know has a bunch of words he has a whole lot of smoke and mirrors he has a whole lot of words of trickery and deceiving and deceiving us and and taking back our authority because jesus has given us authority remember when jesus raised from the dead and came to disciples says all authority in heaven and earth it has been given to me and i and i give you this so and then he tells them to go uh go into jerusalem and and you know and, and pray until power from high comes on so there's authority and power so we receive authority from jesus because you know it gives us his name and there's no other name that one can save and, and then all other names must bow before the name of jesus that's all authority and then power you know it's not not everybody obeys authority that's why police officers carry guns because if somebody doesn't want to obey the badge or authority then they use power and so we so 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 jesus disarmed satan of all authority and all power and has given it to us now some of you because I, I know I've been in you know some of your you know his church camps not talking about summer camp but I'm just talking about different systems of, of beliefs that, pe that people believe that you know the Satan still has power and he does because he's taking it for man again just like he took it from Adam but we can get that you know that power that power back simply by believing the truth and Satan has no power over us because he was uh, disarmed before by all power and authority if you're, if you're going to believe scripture here but the, but the power that satan has he just deceives us and takes what we have you know there, there is power in fear um, and he uses that fear because you know you know fear is pretty much faith turned inwards so god has given us you know a measure of faith and satan uses that takes that power from us but that can be really complicated and all that kind of stuff 
So you just got to know that God's power is greater, that God upholds all things by the word of his power, that, that there is no power of the devil, there is no power of mankind that can overturn the word of God, that the heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God will never pass away. So cling to the word of God, grab a hold of the word of God, put it in your heart, put, hide the word of God in your heart so you do not sin, and Satan can, has no authority and no power over you. And if you're a Christian born again, blood-bought, love God, then you need, need to remind yourself that Satan has no authority over you and no power over you, that no curses can break you, that nothing can take you down, that you can walk upon serpents just as Jesus did, said we could. So let's, let's hop, skip, and jump down to, let's see here. Uh, verse 16 says, Therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are shadow of the things that are, are to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Now he's talking about the seven holy days or the seven holidays that God gave to Israel to practice when they came out of Egypt. That they were all foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. So, um, several of them have, have been fulfilled by Jesus and several are still to be fulfilled. Uh, by Jesus and he's saying there's don't go back to following these as religious duties or obligations because they point to someone they're not just they're not the end of the matter they point to someone which is Jesus Christ so he says no matter how you celebrate this and I do believe we should celebrate them and there's not really a whole lot to them because there's a whole lot of people you know different camps once again that bring all kinds of uh, traditions of man into it and and really when you when you look at the seven holy days of god you find out it's pretty much you're either feasting fasting bringing offerings and spending more time with god and family and and so forth there's but but mankind likes all these different things you know to all these add all this other stuff to it so, so if you celebrate these, you know, those, those holidays, not as the ends of the matter, just like we celebrate, you know, July 4th here in the United States of America uh, for freedom, you know, uh, you know, it's something that's already happened and something that we need to maintain, but the, just to celebrate the day. And, and there are people that celebrate the day because of the fireworks or just celebrate the day, you know, a day off or get together. But we need to celebrate these, uh, these holy days as looking towards Christ Jesus. So he says, therefore, do not anyone judge you by what you eat and drink. Rather, you fast or feasting, it doesn't really matter. Regarding the religious festival, a new moon, there's also another holiday, which was in those seven holidays about every time there's a new moon, they had a day off. Or a Sabbath day, which is you know, Saturday, or there's also the high Sabbath, which we won't get into right now. But, but we need to, uh, you know, the more opportunities that we can, you know, seek God, the, you know, uh, I, I love to take days off and just, and just spend the whole day with the Lord seeking Him. So, so if God's going to give me more holidays, and He actually does give us more holidays than man, man does, <laughs> I won't go into that. When we get the book of Leviticus, I'll really go into that. Let's hop, skip, and jump to verse 20. It says, Since you died of Christ to the basic principles of this world, why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to the rules, do not hound, do not taste, do not touch? These are all destined to perish in use because these are based on human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Now, isn't that a mouthful? When we come to Christ Jesus, there's only one way to win a war, a spiritual war. You've got to fight spiritual battle with spiritual weapons. And, even, and, and we are engaged in a war spiritually, and we are engaged in the world naturally. And he says, verse right here, says, don't, we cannot fight. Since we died to Christ to the basic principles of the world, why is though we still belong to the world? We submit to the rules, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. 
You know, in this world, there's a lot of 12-step programs, you know, not, you know, alcohol, sex addiction, gambling, and so forth. About, you know, it says, do not hand, do not taste, do not touch. And certainly the Bible can even back that up. It talks about running. And, and Jesus says, if your eye, or, you know, if your eye uh, offends you, then pluck it out. If your hand offends you, then cut it off. It's because better enter, enter to, you know, to hell, uh, uh, heaven with, you know, with, with, with that than enter hell with, with both of them. But he's just saying just how God's how vicious how vicious sin is because the wages of sin is death. Just how bad sin is if if you have to sacrifice part of your body to to avoid the wages of sin, which is death, and then do so 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 you, your whole body doesn't go into hell. But but we got to know that we're spiritual that we can't win a, a a spiritual battle with natural means. So even if you are an alcoholic and you stay and and then you do what you're supposed to do and stay away from that corner alcohol you know, store, not going into restaurants where they serve alcohol, or if you're into pornography, you put out your TV. You you know you don't get on your internet without the filter or or accountability or something like that. All those things are good, especially in the beginning. But you're not going to beat that demon. You're not going to beat that, that those sins of the flesh. By that only, you have to go through Jesus Christ. You have to have a, a spiritual power, which is Jesus Christ, to overcome those things. All, if all you do is do not handle, not taste, or not touch, or you put it off. In fact, Jesus says, if you look at, at a woman with lust, you know, lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. So, so you quit, you know, you quit physically committed adultery. You get out of, you know, a, a pornography, but you're still remembering your old girlfriend. You're still remembering, you know, the porn. You're still re re relishing in the days that you could get drunk, in the days that you could get, you know, a, a high without consequences, then you're not overcoming. Because if you cherish sin in your heart, then then you then you still are that. You're still part of that sin. You just you just wish that you could commit that sin without any consequence. But when you come to Jesus Christ and you fight spiritually according to what He's done for us, then we no longer want to do those things. We no longer want to drink or get high or or or, or you know commit adultery. Rather it be you know in the physically or rather in our heart by by looking upon images we shouldn't be looking at. And so. So there's a lot of wisdom, appearance of wisdom to those things by putting those things out, but you've got to go further. The only way you're going to win the war is by giving your heart to the Lord so he can cleanse your heart so you no longer want those things. Because, I mean, especially nowadays, I mean, how do you avoid those things? I mean, our, our culture is being prevalent. Not only do we have, you know, alcohol everywhere we turn, but now we're getting marijuana everywhere we turn. We have sexual indulgence everywhere we turn so how are you going to avoid those things you're going to have to cut off both hands both feet and pluck out both eyes and you're still going to have to you're still going to remember the things that you saw in the past and and have to hear those things you're going to you know so but you have to do those things that do those things but you've got to go further you've got to give yourself that the power of the blood of jesus is more powerful than any weapon in this that we have naturally and so forth we can resist. In the beginning, you may have to do these things. In the beginning, you may have to stay away. And as I said, even the Bible encourages that. But you, but if you want to win the war, if you want to win the war of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the lies, the pride of life, then you have to use spiritual weapons, which means it is Christ Jesus and what he did for us on, the, on that cross, the word of God. But they lack value of any restraining you know, sensual indulgence. I mean, how many times... You know, those who had some kind of addictions that you were able to do these things, you know, put out your TV, stay away from bars, stay away from any places that serve alcohol only to fall later on. Maybe you withstood, you know, 10 days, 20 days, a month, 30 days and only to fall again. 
Because if all you're doing is just doing natural means and natural defense, you will fall again. And I hope someday I will have a full teaching on this. But let's hop, skip, and jump. Uh, we're staying in Colossians to chapter 3. Since, since then you have been raised with Christ. So we've been raised with Christ. We were, you know, we were uh, baptized him and now we're being raised. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated on the right hand of God. So we got to set our hearts. Just like you got to set a clock, set your alarm, you know, set your alarm for the time you want to get up. We need to set, set our heart on things above. Because whatever we set our heart is, you know, is, what, is where we're ever headed. Wherever you set your GPS is where you're headed. And so we want to make sure our GPS, our, our, our alarm clock is always set in there. Because if you want to know where your heart is set is just in your downtime or when you wake up in the morning or anytime you get in change directions, what's the first thing you start thinking? of? What's the thing that you think about the most? Because whatever you think about the most or whatever you wake up in the morning and think first is where your heart is set. And sometimes you got to keep setting that GPS to make it stick. Sometimes you got to keep setting that alarm to make it stick so that when you, when you wake up and you're in downtime, you automatically start thinking things about above rather than think about all the toils and trials and tribulations that we have here, all the things that we need to do, all the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and, and the lust of other things. So to set your heart may take a while, but once you set your heart, you know you are because you're thinking things about above. And you automatically start thinking when, when you know, in downtime. You don't automatically start thinking about the problem. You automatically start thinking about Jesus and what he's done for you and what, and what his word says about getting through a situation. So that's some really good stuff. So we got to hurry because I only got five minutes left. Uh, verse 5 says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Put to death. You know, so there is a certain thing we have to do, put to death, and that's going to hurt because whatever we put to death is in our flesh. You know, we're supposed to be dead to sin, but our sin is in our flesh. You know, Paul said, you know, if I sin, it's not me because I agree with the law, but it's a sin that's in our flesh. Your flesh has, you know, there's sin in our soul, in our mind, will, and emotions, how we think, how we feel, you know, what, what we want to do. And, and our flesh doesn't help, our, our body doesn't help either because our body has temptations in itself. So, so we got to put to death, and death is always going to hurt. <laughs> you know, it's going to hurt. So put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Uh, goes on down there, gives a bunch of lists we're supposed to be, you know, put to death. One of them is filthy language from your lips. You know, we're living in increasing in a church culture where it's okay to use cuss words as long as you, you know, we're trying to go somewhere. Um, but but we need to put filthy language from our lips. Um Let's hop and skip jump to verse 15. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Is once again, it's kind of like setting your mind uh, 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 towards uh, to things above. So let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. Many times we let confusion rule our heart or, or, uh, or, or worry to rule our heart or dread to rule our heart. But we need to set the peace of Christ to rule in our heart. Let's hop and skip and jump to verse 18. It says, wives, submit to your husbands as, as is fitting in the Lord. So there is a biblical submission in Scripture, and there's another place, too, where the husbands submit to the wives. But it says, wives submit to your husbands, isn't, but it doesn't stop there. It says, as fitting to the Lord. I know a whole lot of women who love God and want to obey Him, but, they, but their doctrine is off. And so they submit to their husbands through almost everything because they believe that what they're doing right. But it says, as is fitting to the Lord. So if your husband you know, is, wants you, you know, trying to have you to do something against the Word of God, then... It's not fitting to the Lord, and you ought not do it. And not only to that, but also to your conscience. Your conscience is not perfect. It's being renewed. It's your soul is renewed. But once you go against your conscience, I mean, I mean, oh man, shame and 
and, and, and all kinds of stuff comes in. So, so why submit to your husband as is fitting to the Lord? If the Lord wouldn't ask you to do something or if the Lord tells you not to do something, then that's, that's what you ought to do. But if your husband is speaking against what the Lord has, has spoken, then you, you can't go along with your husband. This is also vice versa. You know, a lot of men will, you know, will kind of go along with the wife and when, they, when it's going against the word of God or going against their own conscience. Verse 23, it says, Whatever you do, work, it out, work with it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. And that's how I, I began. I, I set my heart or set my mind on this, on this scripture years ago. So whatever I do for people, however I serve people, I'm not serving people as an ends or a means, but I'm serving them as I'm serving Christ. And I started doing that because now I'm not disappointed if that person doesn't receive what I'm doing for them. And I don't stop because that person... You know, it's not thankful, not grateful, or care, but I do it because I'm doing it unto the Lord. I know I'm going to get paid according to the Lord. So no matter what the outcome is, it doesn't matter to me because I'm going to get paid either way, you know, through the, through the faithfulness of doing what Christ Jesus told me to do. Whatever you do, work with it all with your heart. So I always give my all, 100%. I don't hold back. You know, I had a job and people want to give me more. I says, I can't give you more. Well, what if we give you a raise? Well, I, I, I do appreciate the raise and I do want the raise, but I can't give you more because I'm already giving you more. I'm not giving you according to what you're paying me, but I'm giving you according to what the Lord has given me, which is everything. He's giving me new life. And that's how we need to, that's how we need to live. Whatever we're doing, we need to do it to the fullness of the Lord. That's working for the Lord and not for men. Because if you're doing it for men, and, and something doesn't come through if you don't get what you think you should get back and even a thank you and even gratitude then you're just going to quit do it you're going to be uh, you know disappointed you're going to be well, all kinds of things resent you know resentful bitter or so forth but if you're doing it on the lord then it doesn't matter how that person responds because you're not doing it for them you're doing it for the lord i'll skip a jump to chapter four uh, verse 2, it says, devote yourself in prayer. There are things we need to devote ourselves to. We need to make sure whatever we devote ourselves is in line with the Word of God. And one of the things we're supposed to devote ourselves to is prayer. You know, we devote ourselves to work. You know, uh, uh, we devote ourselves to take care of our family. And, you know, we devote so many things. We got, But we not not to forget to devote ourselves to prayer. And we can't be devoted to lots of things, you know, because we just don't have that much, you know, time. We don't really don't have that big of a heart. You know, devote ourselves to... to to, you know, just a whole lot of things. We need to make sure what we devote ourselves is to the Lord. You know, I like words and devote. And many times we have devotions, you know, either morning devotions or evening devotions before we go to bed. Well, what do you take time to devote yourself uh, your, your, to prayer? That means... That means if you're going to work, it's, it's great. There's a lot of times you can pray on your way to work, but that's not really devoting yourself to prayer because you're doing other things. And that's okay, but, but you need to have a time to devote yourself because you, you need to talk and pray to God throughout the day. You shouldn't go very long without talking. You know, Scripture talks about us to pray, to pray unceasingly. And what does that mean? It means we always need to have that, that um, open communication with the Lord open at all times. You know to discuss and, and have him be able to talk with us but there needs to be a time where we're just focused and devoted completely on prayer and there's nothing else on our agenda we're not doing anything else but devoted to prayer hop skip and jump to verse six says let your conversation be always full of grace seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone so once again you know we're talking about words uh you know using cuss words or curse words or or words are just not are not good. It says our conversation ought to be full of grace, full of grace. 
you know, full of favor. You know, if we, if we say grace is, is, is unmerited favor, then our, our, our conversations need to be full of unmerited favor rather than cursing and cussing somebody and telling them just what we think about them. <laughs> but season with salt. Salt means to preserve. So we need to make sure it's seasoned with salt so that, may, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And sometimes the people who have questions for us are not here to get the answer, okay? You know, they question you because they want to see you fail, just like many people try to trick Jesus on giving him questions. But if, but if our conversation is always full of grace, seasoned with salt, then we may be able to answer somebody who doesn't even really want to be answered, or at least answer. They're trying to get under skin and get us to, you know, to lose our religion by the words of our mouth. But if we make sure that our conversation is full of grace, seasoned with salt, then we're going to be able to answer them, and they're, and they're going to be confounded by our answer because that's not what they were expecting. The Pharisees try to, you know, come up with certain things that question God, and they say, well, if he says this, he's condemned. If he says this, he's, he's found false. But Jesus, because he was full of grace and seen with salt, he was able to give them something they didn't even think about. And they were, you know, and the scripture says that God would do the same thing with us, that we'll, that we'll confound men and people by the words that we speak. So it's hop, skip, and jump. We're staying in chapter 4 of Colossians, uh, going into the end of our verse 12. And it says, He is always restful in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in the will of God, mature and fully assured. So those times, sometimes we need to wrestle in prayer. Know, for one another um, I mean, wrestling means means we're going against opposition right if you're wrestling you're going against opposition and here's this guy uh, one of Paul's uh, colleagues who's wrestling people in prayer so that people may obey God's will I mean we can pray for people that you know they get saved but now they need God's will for their life so they can be fruitful for the kingdom of God God wants us to be fruitful so we can be seen as the disciples of God and so, so in our own lives, we got to you know wrestle for the will of God, and and he, and here's somebody's wrestling for the will of God to be known and shown to, to other people, so they may be well, uh, mature and fully assured. I mean, many of us know the will of God, but we're not mature in it. it means we don't know how to carry out, and we're certainly not fully assured because we're always looking at well, if this was was God's will for my life, then then how come it's not working out? You know, <laughs> and I could go another. 20 30 minutes which is on this but but we need to you know spend some time in prayer not only for ourselves but for one another so we can be so we can mature in the will of god and we be fully assured of what god's will is no matter what the circumstance is you know jesus told the disciples to go to the other side and the storm came up well they weren't fully assured that was god's will but it was god's will because jesus spoke those words go to the other side that was his will but when a storm comes up, many times we're not no longer fully assured and we're wondering, where is God? I guess I didn't do God's will. That's why we need to know God's will before we even start out. I mean, fully assured before we even start out. But that's the whole teaching. And on the verse, verse 18, at the, end of you, at the end of it says, Grace be with you. That was uh, Colossians. AdultBobaStories.com. <laughs>